We're going to be starting a new series this morning, and uh, I've called this series a fully formed follower. So the three Fs, F to the three, a fully formed follower. Uh, I believe that Christ wants us to not only come into the kingdom, but grow in the kingdom. That God wants us to go on to maturity. And I think one of the saddest things uh, that a parent could ever experience is that they have a child who remains a child their whole life. We, lo- we love to see our children go from being babies to being infants to being young people, young adults to being adults to uh, whatever life has for them. We like to see things come to maturity. We plant seeds and as a farmer we'd be terribly disappointed if after six months of manure and watering and sun and all sorts of things we went back and the seed was still in the ground and we didn't see some shoots and branches and fruit and leaves on the things that we'd planted. And so God has an expectation that we would become fully formed followers. And so I have a number of messages where I want to look at some aspects that I've seen over the years in ministry that are important for us. Three things that we need to to deal with in order to become fully formed followers. Number one is shattered or unfulfilled dreams in our life. How do we deal with that? Secondly, toxic relationships. So we'll look at that next week. Suffering. How do we understand suffering? How do we move ahead through suffering in life in order to become fully formed follower of Christ? And then there are three things that we need to develop. We need to deal with three things and three things we need to develop. We need to develop a heart which reflects the character of God. We need to have our beliefs. The things that we believe are very, very important. Someone once said to me, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you love Jesus. And I said, that's not true. Yes, we should love Jesus, but it is important what you believe as well. And then finally, our service for God is really important. So we'll look at that in the weeks to come. But this morning, I want to start off by looking at shattered dreams. Have you ever had a dream for your life and it's never come to fruition? You, you always wanted to be Prime Minister of Australia for whatever crazy reason you would ever want to be Prime Minister. Um, And you thought, but I've never got there. Or I want to be a movie star and and no one sees the incredible acting ability that I have. Or or I I want to be the richest person in the world, but Bill Gates beat me to it, or whoever's the richest person now. We all have a predisposition towards a vision or a goal, or a dream for our life. And and, and we ask little children, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be an astronaut. And so their minds are soaring high. I, I want to be a musician. And we all have dreams and visions, not only for ourselves, but our church and our family, our country. There's something within us that likes to take hold of a, a dream or a vision. And It's really important to understand that without some sense of dream or vision in our life, without a sense of direction, as Proverbs 29.18 says, where there is no vision or dream, the people cast off restraint, just like that horse there. And the the image that's there is like a horse without a bridle. That it's not going in the direction that the rider wants the horse to go. It just casts off all restraint and does whatever it wants. 
It just reminds me of the last verse in the book of Judges. And it says, And in those days, every person did what was right in their own eyes. They just cast off all restraint. There was no right or wrong. And the Bible says that there's a time, which I think we're pretty much into, where good will be called evil and evil will be called good. And all restraint has just been cast off and people do whatever they want. They just go through life. I've got no sense of direction. I guess the good thing about having no sense of direction is that you know exactly where you're going. Nowhere. But you never know when you're going to reach anything. You don't know if this is the thing that you should have achieved in life. Without a dream or a vision, we will just cast off restraint. One translation says, without a vision, the people perish. Because that's what happens when we cast off all restraint. We just go in all directions. We do whatever we want. But then there are unfulfilled dreams. Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. And you see the excitement on someone when they win the 100 metre gold medal and it's like, oh, this has been a dream my whole life from when I was six months old. I dreamed of winning a gold medal. And you see the joy and the excitement. It's like a tree, pardon me, of life. But how many people go through life and have to face shattered dreams, unfulfilled dreams? Hope deferred makes the heart sick. We have a regret or a sense of disappointment that we didn't achieve the goal. And I knew a person once who just had such a passion. They wanted to become, for whatever reason, a pastor of a church. I said they were insane, but they want to become a pastor of a church. And for some reason, the doors never seemed to open for them and they carried through their life a real sense of disappointment about that. I've known of another person who just, all they wanted was to get married and have kids, but it never seemed to happen. And they just seemed to carry that disappointment and sadness in life. How do we deal with these things? How do we deal with with dreams and visions that don't come to pass in our life because we live in a world, every second book in the bookshop is pursue your dream. If you can conceive it and believe it, you'll receive it. Who said that? That's not in the Bible. And yet there are are times when we think we just can do anything in life. And I've, I've said to my daughters, you can do anything that God has put in your heart to do. You can do anything in life, but you can't do everything. You can have some things in life, but you can't have everything. And God has a dream and a vision for our life. We'll look at that in a moment. But there are some dreams that we've had in life. I always wanted to be a professional squash player. And uh, that's, when I, that's when I was a lot thinner, by the way. I'm just letting you know uh, that if I went on the court now, I'd probably have a heart attack. But... I always wanted to be a professional squash player and so I trained hard and I played and, and, and I, I represented Newcastle in squash and I did all sorts of things and then all for no reason whatsoever, it just died. And I look back sometimes and I think, oh, I could have been a professional squash player. And maybe we carry some dreams through life that don't come to fulfilment, things that we want and aspire to. 
And we face a critical point. Is it God's dream for me? Is it just my dream for me? Why do I want to be the richest person in the world? Why do I want to be a movie star? Why do I want to be in ministry? Why do I want to do anything that comes into my heart and mind that I just want to do? Jeremiah 29, 11 said, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. So we do know God's got a dream for us. When God looks at you, he said, I've got a dream for you. I've got a dream for you. There's a vision for your life. I've created you for something. And for Jeremiah, very personal here, Jeremiah 1.5, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as a prophet to the nations, as my prophet to the nations. And I think God can say that about every one of us here today. Before you were born, before you were conceived, God dreamed a dream for you. God had a vision for you and for me in life. Sometimes we don't receive or understand what God's vision is for us. And maybe we make up a dream or a vision or we pick it up from the TV. Or somebody else or our parents say, you're going to be this and you're going to be that. As a Jewish man was taking his two twins or taking his twins down the street and in the stroller and introduced them to a friend that he met and he said, oh, this is so-and-so the lawyer and this is so-and-so the scientist or whatever. Whatever dreams or visions that we have for our people, for our kids, for our family, for our nation, for our church, they can be just ours. They don't necessarily have to be God's. And a verse that we looked at, A while ago, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs a step. And we're driving down the highway and we see all these signs. And one of the signs says, this is God's way for you. But gosh, look at the options. No exit, but there's lots of ways you can try. And you can go off the track and get lost. And I've heard the testimony of a man who lived his whole life doing his own thing, making money, lost his family, because he pursued money and fame and career. And then, at one meeting, he came forward and he received Jesus Christ as his Saviour and Lord. And he wept. (coughs) Pardon me. He wept because he was 80 years old. And he said, I've wasted my life. I've wasted my life. And the preacher was there and said, As a word from God, I will restore to you the years that the worm has eaten. You know, God can do in the last part of our life everything he intended to do. Of course, he's God. He can do that. He can make up for lost ground. For the times when we've gone off the track and gone our own way, he can bring us back to the dream that he has for us. So I want to look at that today, the shattered dreams that we have in life. Why are they at times shattered? Sometimes even the dreams that God gives us. Well, we're going to look at a few reasons and a few people for this morning. It could be that the dream that you have is not your dream. It's not for you. It's about the who question. And we think of David. David had a dream, 2 Chronicles 6, 7 to 9. Now it was in the heart of David, my father, this is Solomon talking, to build a house for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. 
But the Lord said to David, my father, whereas it was in your heart to build a house for my name, you did well that it was in your heart. So God's pleased. Nevertheless, it is not you who shall build the house, but your son. And so sometimes we can, we can take a vision that's not really ours. And sometimes people can impose a vision on our life. And I've, I've talked to people who said, the reason I, I became this was because my parents encouraged me to go that way, but it's not really what I wanted to do. I had something else in my heart to do. And, and sometimes we can have a, a dream or a vision that, that is there in our heart. And yet, it's not really ours. It's not what God's called us to. God's called us to something else. And I, I don't know if you've seen that wonderful movie, Mr. Holland's Opus. And he, uh, he's a musician who has a, a great passion to want to write this tremendous musical score. And he wants to be a conductor and it's all wonderful. But because of various family pressures, he, he has to go out and become a teacher at school. And he finds after 30, 40, 50 years of, <coughs> pardon me, of teaching at the end of his life that it just hasn't come together. The dream was shattered, it was unfulfilled, unrealised. And as he goes into the hall at the end, and all of these students that he ministered to over the years, uh, that some of them got up and played his, his music and he conducted, and basically one of them says, well, the music was the music, but we were your opus. And maybe in his mind he thought writing music was what it was all about, but God maybe had... For him and his design, what he put into the lives of those young people, that was the music he really wrote. The notes on the paper were just sounds, but what he invested in people. And maybe there are times when you have a dream, oh, I want to be a squash player. I don't want to talk to people. And God says, well, maybe I want you to talk to people and you have to give up on the squash playing or something like that. And there are times when maybe with hindsight we look back and say, yes, God's choice was a better choice. It was a better choice. And so we find that for David, and he must have been very disappointed. If you read the, the section for the Bible, he had a passion. He said, look, I'm living in a nice house and I want to build a, a really nice house for God. And he's got his passion to do that. And yet God says, but it's not for you. It's not for you. The vision came into your heart and that was good, but that's not for you to do. It's for your son. And so David had to accept God's decision on it. But the great thing about David was that he said, well, okay, well, I'm not the one to do it, but I can support the vision. And so he went out and he helped and he got materials and all the resources they needed so that when the time came to build it, Solomon would build it. But the dream of building it was something that was in his heart and a passion for him. It just wasn't the right person. He didn't really say, well, God, is this something you want me to do? Or have you asked me just to get the materials together? But we see that he needed to accept what God had for his life. Because he was a man of war, God said, you can't build the temple because there's too much blood on your hands. I need a man of peace, Solomon, to build the temple. And so sometimes the visions that we have in our heart and mind, we need to step back from and say, well, is this really something that God has put in my heart, or is this something I just picked up from TV or parents or somewhere else? And not blaming parents, they have the best in, in mind for us as children, and we have a best in mind for our children. Then there's a, the second, not just the, the wrong person, but the wrong means. 
Sometimes we, we have the right vision from God, but we want to make it happen. You know, the old Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. And here we have a, a, a good example of this in the life of Abraham in Genesis 16 and 17. Now, Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, and she had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abraham, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into your servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abraham listened to the voice of Sarai, and he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And Abraham said to God, this is after his name was changed, Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. And so through his servant, he had a, a son named Ishmael. And he thought, well, this is the way that will make it happen. Sarah's not having any children. I'll get another concubine and I'll, I'll make the vision of the dream come to pass this way. And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. And God said, No. But Sarah, your wife, shall bear a son and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him. And so here, Abraham and Sarah, I mean, you've got to feel sorry for them. A hundred-year-old and 90-year-old. Any hundred-year-olds here? Any 90-year-olds? So you can sort of empathise a little bit with them that here they are, they're going along with their walkers out in the wilderness. And, and, and Sarah looks to Abraham and says, Abe, I don't think I can do it. And, and Abraham looks to Sarah and says, Sarah, I think you're right. And so they make up this plan that they're going to get a concubine, a younger person, and they're going to help God bring about the vision. And the whole Israeli-Palestinian conflict today is because Abraham and Sarah decided to help God to bring about the vision instead of waiting for God to do it his way. Wow, what pain, what suffering is there when we think we can do it better than God. Yes, we have a God-given vision, but we're going to make it happen. God isn't doing it when I think he should, so we're going to make it happen. And so as a result of that, Abraham had to adjust everything in his life. When he realized that this wasn't going to be a good situation, and Sarah said to him, or he said to Sarah, do with them what you want. And so Hagar and Ishmael were kicked out into the wilderness to die. And then an angel appeared and they came back into the family. And Abraham had to adjust everything in his life now because he had someone who was, as the book of Galatians says, the child that was born after the spirit and the child that was born after the flesh. And sometimes what God wants to birth in the spirit because it doesn't happen in the way that we want, we try and make it happen in the flesh. And we think we can do it in the flesh. And the problem is that we produce an Ishmael that becomes a bane to us for the rest of our existence. And so here was Abraham and his generations have followed him, had to live now with this tension of these two different destinies that were there, the one of the spirit and the one of the flesh. But Abraham had to adjust after making that mistake of trying to help God do it. And it is hard at times we feel like it's not happening quickly right now. We're going to make it happen. And I've talked to people who, especially a young woman who 
was just so desperate to get married, thought she was going to be left on the shelf and just grabbed it, the first guy that went past and regretted it later. Better to be single and in God's plan than to be married with 15 kids and not. Probably the 15 kids would indicate it's probably not God's plan, but you never know. And so we need to allow God to do it his way, not our way. And then as we go through, we find another reason why dreams are shattered in life. Shattered because it's the wrong person or shattered because it's the the wrong means of how we do it. The wrong motives. We see in Genesis 11, 4 to 8, the story of Nimrod and the people at that time and the whole earth. They came together in one spot and they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves. Let us, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men had built. And you know, this happens. When we decide that we want to build something, God says, I'm going to go down and see what Tom's building in his backyard wonder what he's planting there. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people and they have all one language and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. And so the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth and they left off building the city. Now it's very interesting. God's commission was going to all the world, go out there and fill the earth. But all of the people said, no, we want to come together into one little group in one little spot. We don't want to be scattered over the earth. And it tells us something about humanity. We live in a time when the whole ethos of the earth is let everybody come together and be one. We can all be one. It's like they're building a modern Tower of Babel. Do you know that the most important thing to God is not unity? The most important thing to God is unity around God. And so we can come together and be unified around a a beautiful Tower of Babel and we're all in one language and we're all together and we're all doing it and think that that pleases God. Well, it doesn't. It pleases God when we're in unity in Christ. When we come together around the Word of God and the Spirit of God and we're looking to build something that will honour God. And you see, the reason that they built this, let us build us a tower to make ourselves a name. We're going to build something that's based on pride and not humility, that's based on lifting self up and saying, humans can do it without God. And I saw an interview this morning on the news. I quickly plonked it on before Glennis and I left. And uh, they were showing the, the, um, a plane in America that had gone into the water. You may have seen that in the news. And all of the people were saved. And the, uh, the journalist was there saying to this guy, this is like a miracle. And he said... I don't see it that way. I'm a secular person. And I thought, how sad. Here God has done something that some people are saying, look, it's a miracle everybody walked away from that. And this person, no, 
it's just good technology and the rescuers were there and you know and we try to attribute to people we try and take the glory from God but no one will God will allow no one to touch his glory and so here is a group of people it says all of the people on the earth came together one language I've been through this section I've preached on this section in Genesis and I've looked at management principles and they had every principle in place for success Communication, one language, they had a goal, they had a, a charismatic leader, they had this, they had resources, they had this and that and the other. And yet God came down and says, I'm not happy, guys, because you're doing it for the wrong motive. You're doing it for yourself, for your own glory, so you don't be scattered over the earth, which is going against what God said to do. And so when we see what God, God's response here God is looking for repentance, but sadly enough, there's no indication there's any repentance there. Even when God confuses their tongues and they're scattered over the earth, they just seem to go off in their own directions, talking their own languages, and yet there's no repentance. There's no one who stands up and says, look, God, we're really sorry we did it for ourselves and not for you, except till Abraham turns up. And then finally, seen a number of reasons why dreams can be shattered whether they're our own dreams or even god-given dreams the wrong timing when something is to happen and there's a beautiful story in the book of haggai uh, chapter one and says that the people have come back out of captivity they've been building the the walls and the the temple and then all of a sudden it got too hard and so 14 years have passed and they've been doing absolutely nothing and thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. And then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your panelled houses while this house lies in ruins? And so God again comes down to them through the prophet and says to them, the vision was given by God. And the people are saying, oh, it's not time for it. It's not time to do that. And God's saying, well, is it time for you to fulfill your own dreams and visions, to build your own house, to do all those things, and yet God's house lies in ruins? It's very sad. It's a confronting question that comes before us as the church. We've got to be building God's kingdom in God's power, not building our own kingdom. And then as we go through, we find that the people do actually respond to the rebuke that comes through the prophets. It says, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah, and he stirred up the spirit of Joshua, the high priest, and the spirit of all of the remnant of the people. And they came and they worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. And so as a result, a response to this rebuke, they got into action again. They got behind the vision. They said, yes, we know what we're supposed to be doing. Let's get in and do it. And how sad it is that Jesus Christ gave us a commission, go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, and lo, I'm with you always to the end of the age. This is what Jesus told us to do. And sometimes the church can get sidetracked into all sorts of other things. But we need to, to have that vision revived in our sight. We need to know, yes, we can still get on with that. And let God stir up our spirit again. We need to have our hearts stirred. You know, we're not the frozen chosen. You know, like those little ice cubes in your, your freezer? 
We're not supposed to be like that, the frozen chosen. We're supposed to be energized on fire for God, pursuing the vision of God. And so even if sometimes we pull back from it like the Jews at this time and the the prophet Haggai, that vision can be revived. And so we can take a hold of God's vision for us in action. I want the team to come up now as I, I close. We can go through life and we can experience shattered dreams, whether they be dreams that God has given or our own generated dreams or visions. And I believe it's just so important that we seek God's dream in God's way and timing for God's glory. We need to take the time to get before God to receive the dream that he has for our life. And sometimes the reason we're not pursuing God's dream like the Jews at this time, we've allowed a personal dream or vision to come in and yet it just gets shattered because God comes after us and said, come on, get on with the thing I've told you to do. 2 Timothy 1.8-9, our Lord who saved us and called us to a holy calling because of his own purpose and grace which he gave us in Christ Jesus, because of his own purpose. We're not here to live for self, we're here to live for God. And don't listen to the world when it says just conjure up any dream and go after it because we sacrifice God's dream if we do. God says if you will wait upon me, if you will look deep within your heart, you will see the thing that I've called you to, the dream that is God's dream for you individually and for the church as a whole. Let's pray. Father, I pray for each and every one of us today that we would not sacrifice your God-given dream for our life, that we would not see it shattered and broken and thus live with disappointment now and even into eternity, that we missed out on what you had for us. Father, I pray that you would help us to take time. As the book of Haggai says, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains to get wood and the resources necessary to build the temple. Father, help each and every one of us to reflect upon the dream that we have for our life. That we might be able to say with our mouth, yes, this is God's dream, God's vision. And it will be done in God's way and timing for God's glory. In his precious name. Amen.